welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is Court Winsett. Hello. And Cameron Spin. Hiya. And there's that beautiful opening bell. That bell, I've heard it many times. I would never describe it as beautiful. Ring my bell. Okay, no. So we're going to talk about trust and like, you know, doing trust falls, right? <laughs> Although trust falls, I've always found them to be a, a, a rather fun activity. No, they're no, terrifying. Oh, see, I've, I've never had a problem with them. And I'm a heavy guy. And I've always had, I've never had an issue with falling backwards into other, I mean, you know, they, you interlock your arms in such a way that it'd be really, really hard to drop somebody unless someone is just really not paying attention to what they're doing. But no, we're not talking about trust falls today. <laughs> we're going to talk about trusts. So like for rich people? No, not for rich people. Trust for any kind of people. All the peoples. All of the trusts. Okie dokie. Uh, except we're also not going to talk about all of the trusts because there are a whole lot of trusts out there. So talking about all of them would be uh, like a daunting task. Yeah. So you're going to be in session during this, correct? Uh, I mean, I am I am always in session. <laughs> court is always in session. But yes, I, I, this might be a court-centric episode. Well, I mean, the reason for this is because, again, trust is something that is a very jargon term. And a lot of people, kind of like when we talked about the prenup episode, people think that trust and prenups are only for the elite, the wealthy. But there are reasons why everybody could look at the potential of needing a trust and why some people are very, you know, oh, I got to have a trust and they may not need one. And so hopefully uh, court's going to educate us on this episode. Oh, my word. And uh, tell us all about the a couple of the different kinds of trusts that let's, are out there. Let's start with vocabulary. <laughs> educate is the word. Educate is completely wrong. Why don't we do our list? <laughs> oh, Katie, come on. It's early. I want to make fun of people. No, I think Cameron should start. So our list is going to be about people, people you trust that are still, that are movie characters. But I'm not sure. I, I don't know the etymological, uh, you know, history or the etymology of the word trust as it relates to a financial device. I'm not sure, but I mean, you gotta imagine that that whatever it is, it has something to do with the fact that that the word trust has a an explicit meaning for you know being able to rely on someone else having faith in their ability or their willingness or both to do something that you need them to do you trust them whether that's whether that's where they came up with the term trust for this particular device or not i don't know i'm not claiming to know but we're going to go we're going to use that as the basis for our list and go into fictional characters that we would trust Guys, I got to warn you, my roster is insane. I would trust these guys into battle. Oh. All right, first on my list would be the Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings. Samwise is Frodo's sidekick who follows him from the Shire all the way to Mount Doom to destroy the ring. Wow. Cameron, Cameron, you had you had fun just just recently seeing that new uh, that new promo for the new The Ring of Power. <laughs> yes, Amazon's uh, spin-off prequel. Yes. Ah. I'm a nerd. No. <laughs> He's a good one. I, I feel like I'd trust him. Yeah. What about you, Katie? Who do you trust? Um, Edna Mode. Edna Mode. From The Incredibles. The Incredibles. That is an interesting pull. That is an interesting pull. I, I like Edna. 
And um, I just kind of thought, like, you know, she's definitely the master behind all these superheroes. And yes, while she's just doing their fashion, she really has their best interest at heart and is, you know, trying to make sure their suits are taken care of. Actually, funny little nerd out moment, um, you know, Edna never does capes, but I saw that she... No capes. No capes. But the, I don't know if it's true or not, so, you know, yell at me if it's wrong. But apparently she had created a costume for the kid that was obsessed with Mr. Incredible and added a cape to it. And that's what ultimately, when he got caught, was because his cape got stuck. And so that was the only time she ever used a cape. And it's because she knew he was evil. Syndrome? The Syndrome, little kid? That, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, where did you get that little piece of, of trivia? I don't... The internet, so it's probably not right. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> it's probably not right. Right. Uh, okay. Corey, who do you trust? Uh, well, I was gonna do, I was gonna do a different one first, but since we're on capes, I'll go ahead and do my first, which is obviously Superman. Yeah, I mean, you don't get, you don't get a, a bigger paragon of, of, of all things right and good than Superman. Hmm. It's just straight up trustworthy overall. Who else would you want to go into battle with you? Who else would you want to take care of you? Who do, who, who do you trust more than you trust Superman? Nobody. I'll stay in the superhero universe with you, but I'm going Marvel, and it's not a superhero. It is Happy or Happy Hogan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Happy was the driver for Tony Stark or Iron Man, kind of like mm -hmm. Butler, Protector. He's just always there, and then he transitioned into Spider-Man's or Peter Parker's sidekick guy. But he's mm -hmm. just he's always there, always he's willing awesome. to help. Yeah. Aunt May's Aunt May's uh, yeah. on again, off again. Love interest to there. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love Happy. Okay, well, I'll kind of go uh, sidekick, but um, Chewbacca. Yep. Yep, Chewbacca. I mean, Chewbacca's yeah. ready to go, always there, ready to whatever Han Solo wanted to get into. He was there. Uh -huh. Good choice. Chewy. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a dedicated dedicated sidekick. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears. I'm gonna have to double clutch this and shift gears. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna, my next one is Mr. Miyagi. Ah. <laughs> wax on, wax yeah, off. Wax on. Yes, yes. Mr. Miyagi is uh, uh, the Karate Kid is is just the, the the original the original I guess trilogy of movies is is among my favorite memories of of childhood. And then of course now you've got uh, Cobra Kai mm -hmm. is is available on Netflix, and I watch that re religiously. But Mr. Miyagi sadly is not in that particular incarnation of Karate Kid. But anyway, back to the originals, Mr. Miyagi, I think that you, you, you could do way worse than to trust him. <laughs> I will go with Lucius Fox from Batman, made uh, popular by Morgan Freeman. Mm -hmm. So this was kind of Bruce Wayne's tech guy who built Batmobile and okay. all that good stuff. And he was just always there giving Bruce advice. Okay, well then that goes with mine, Alfred. <gasps> I was gonna <Yeah>. say, <laughs> I know I, I had to be different. I didn't want to do uh, yeah, Alfred. but yeah. I mean Alfred ke keeps the secret and really is the one making sure Batman's taken care of and that the house is arranged, but and the Batcave's taken care of. So yeah, trust Alfred. Okay, y'all ready for this next one? I'm ready. All right. Okay, I'm I'm changing from movies uh, to uh, to TV series or books, um, and going with. Hodor. <laughs> I like it. That's a good I one. mean, you know, solid, dependable. 
you know, he didn't have a lying bone in his body. Didn't have, couldn't tell lies unless you could distinguish between his Hodors. Um, and this I mean, is Hodor from Game of Thrones. Yes, yep. Hodor from Game of Thrones. Oh, for those who are not familiar, uh, and of course, uh, his his origin story ends up being just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, yeah. I mean, just an amazing character, and and sure, I would trust him. <laughs> I like it. I've got a theme going on here, the techie sidekick guys. <laughs> My next one is Q from 007. That's mm. a good one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I've got one a uh, little out there. Ducky from Pretty in Pink. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Expand. I mean, it's kind of sad in the point, but Ducky loved her so much that he was there for her always. And even when she royally screwed up and went for the popular guy and kind of dissed him he still was always there for her yeah and then ended up getting screwed over in the end because she chose she chose the popular guy i know i hate that movie i I hate it and you just hate james james spader (laughs) (laughs) but ducky's loyal Okay, well, uh, hearkening back to Cameron's original uh, selection for this particular top five list, uh, I'm going to go with Rudy. Oh, Oh. yes. (laughs) I mean, hardworking, dedicated, just an honest, all-around good guy. You you can't beat Rudy. And, of course, he is also a real guy, and I don't, you know, he's depicted as almost angelic in the movie, so... I'm really more going with the movie character. I don't, I, you know, I don't know if, if Rudy, real life Rudy, could live up to the Rudy from the movie. But Rudy from the movie is, has got my vote. Yeah, Sean Astin played yeah. Rudy and Sam Wise. And Sam Wise, yeah. 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 So he's just a very trustworthy guy. Trustworthy guy. Wrapping up my list would be Gandalf the Grey from Lord of the Rings. I had to have two characters, mm-hmm. and oh, I would Lord. trust Gandalf with my life. I. <sighs> he can do no wrong. Yeah, but he can. I mean, How? he's you know we 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 brought up another wizard when we were discussing our our top five trustworthy people and with uh, with Dumbledore. He's and trash. I just neither. I don't necessarily trust either of them. I mean, you know, you don't trust Gandalf. They they are gonna do what needs doing to to get the ultimate what they see think is the best result ultimately. And it, that might mean that, you know, they've got to sacrifice me. And I don't, tr- <laughs> you know, I'm not trusting a guy that's that's willing to sacrifice Gandalf me. says jump off the cliff, I will say. Yes, sir. My liege. Okay, mine, y'all are probably going to argue because as I'm going to say it, I could see the other side of it. But Genie, particularly Robin Williams' Genie. Yeah. I mean. He's a little cray-cray, though. A little cray-cray. He's a little cray-cray. I'm a little cray-cray, so, <laughs> you know. Y'all get into some trouble. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, but I, I mean, I, I got to throw one out there for David Pickler. Any Jimmy Stewart character. Oh, I mean, well, yeah. Yeah. He's always um, the great trustworthy guy. And I mean, him as George Bailey, all of that. George Bailey, Mr. Smith. Yeah. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Uh, I mean, you know, any, any number of, of his characters. Yeah. Um, What's your last one? My last one is actually Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the Watcher. And, um, he, you know, of all the guys on my list, he might be the least trustworthy. But I still <laughs> think he... I, I was. I, I wanted to pick somebody from Buffy. And of, of the characters in Buffy, I feel like he's probably... Hmm, Xander... 
Xander also very, very trustworthy. I mean, just like from, from the perspective of a character who is trustworthy, Xander is also trustworthy. But I'm going to go with Giles just because he's he's trustworthy and he's he's intelligent and kind and, and you know, guiding and, and, you know, wise and all of the other great things about a person. So, yeah, Giles. Giles from Buffy. I had one more that I was going to throw out there, but it was more of if you were on her correct side because Olivia Pope from Scandal... I mean, she can keep all kinds of secrets and she can get any job done. But uh, if you were on the opposite side of her agenda, watch out. I have no idea because I never watched that show and never will. (laughs) That is that. (laughs) There's our list, ladies and gentlemen. So, Court. Yes. What is a trust? Oh, Lord. Oh, where to begin? Okay, listen. What I do when I talk about trusts with clients is I, I, I absolutely boil it down to its most basic idea uh, by saying the following. Look, a trust is nothing more than me taking some of my stuff as the grantor and giving it to you. I'm the grantor and I am giving my stuff to you. You are the trustee. And I am giving you that stuff. And along with that stuff, I'm giving you a document that is basically a list of rules for what I want you to do with that stuff. That is a trust. You basically are, 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 you're the trustee. You are given directions for how to handle the stuff that I have given you. And it could be any, any type of stuff, but you know, you're going to do what I said. You, you, The trust document is actually an agreement between me as the grantor and you as the trustee that I am giving you these things and you are going to do what I said to do in the document, in the trust document. And, you know, what exactly makes a trust, what exactly creates a trust legally uh, can vary somewhat from state to state. There is uniform trust code. So there's there's code out there that a lot of the states have adopted that basic the laws out there that a lot of the states have adopted that basically says how you create a trust and what a trust is. But on its very, very most, most basic level, a trust is here is my case of Diet Coke. I want you to hold on to it. I have this document I want you to sign. I have signed it. This document tells you what to do with the Diet Cokes. You are to distribute one Diet Coke to me per year, no more, no less. If the Diet Cokes multiply, then you can also give me those uh, that have resulted from the multiplication of the Diet Cokes. But uh, no, no, no more than one Diet Coke per year if, uh, if we are only dealing with the original Diet Cokes. So this is allowing you to really be in control and determine what happens. So is this something that is only after you die or is this something that could happen while you are alive? I mean, okay, so you can take the basic idea of a trust that I've given you and extrapolate out as much as you want and apply it to as many different scenarios as you want. Um, beyond death, uh, during my life, um, I can I can take my Diet Coke and give it to myself so that I am both the grantor and the trustee of the trust and give myself the document saying, okay, court, you can only have one Diet Coke per year. I mean, the the, the Diet Coke thing might be a little bit lame, but really, it, I, I, want, I want you to understand just exactly how basic 
the idea of what a trust is, how how basic that really is. It's it, people people make can can in their minds build up trusts to be these daunting, huge like. Uh, millions and millions of dollars in investments and and machinations and so but, so on and so forth. But okay, court. So if I put in my will that I want all my shoes to go to you, then that's done, right? Why would I need to put my shoes in a trust? I didn't say you needed to put your shoes in a trust. But why would somebody choose to not just list it in their will, but to take it the next step and create a trust? Well, okay. So a trust isn't necessarily just a an estate planning device. A trust, you can use a trust for any number of things. Estate planning is certainly one of them. Um, also, planned giving can be a reason to use a trust. Um, oh, so, giving so, to charity. Okay. Like I said, you're you're giving me your shoes, but you're also giving me a list of rules for what you want me to do with those shoes, and it could be. Everything from, I want you to hold on to these shoes for three generations until <laughs> the shoes, until you give the shoes to my great, to my great, great, great yep. children. <laughs> or it could be, you know, I want you to take these shoes and then uh, l- let people pay to see the shoes and take the money <laughs> that people have paid to see the shoes and save it up until you have enough money to build a museum for my shoes. And I mean, you know, you make the rules. So the rules don't have to be about when you die or when you're alive. I mean, the rules are just whatever rules you've made up. Um, The key idea is I am hanging on to some stuff for you and I'm going to do something with it. And what I do with the stuff that you have given me to hold on to is up to you based on the list of rules you've given me. And that is the the list of rules is the trust document. We both sign it. Here, court. I want you to, to to this sign this saying that you'll abide by these rules, and I do. And then we have a trust. I'm holding on to. So th- there's nothing there's nothing complicated about it. Why would you do it? You might do it because you want to provide for multiple charities over the course of the next hundred years, and you want to make sure that the charities receive certain amounts of money over a certain amount of time. And so, and you want to be guaranteed that they're going to get that. And so you create a trust now. Uh, there might be tax advantages to you for going ahead and creating a charitable trust now. Uh, you, you're getting money out. Maybe you're getting money out of your estate and into a trust. And that way you won't get, your estate won't get taxed on that money when you pass away. So if you have a lot of money, then you may want to get that money out of your estate now while you're alive so that it's so that it's not taxed and you know you want to give money to charity so why not go ahead and give it now um or a lot of people uh, i would say the bulk of the people that come to me for estate planning that have heard of a trust and have heard of the benefits of a trust the majority of them come and say i want a trust because i want to avoid probate mm-hmm. right okay so what is probate Probate is when a person has passed away uh, and you go to a court and say to the court, um, this person has passed away. Either they have a will or they didn't. I want to um, I-, I want to manage their affairs, gather all of their assets together, pay all of their debts, and then distribute their assets among the people who survived them, their heirs, their beneficiaries, their descendants. I want to do that. Well, 
that court process can be complicated and time-consuming and expensive. And so some people come to me and say, I want to do a trust because I want to avoid probate. Mm-hmm. I, want to, I want to take care of everything now and make sure that it's taken care of before I die so that nobody has to go through probate. So that is a big reason that some people do trust, but it's not the only reason, and it's not always a compelling reason. I mean, you know, avoiding probate is, is a, a valid and, and valuable option to many, many people, but it's not always necessarily mandatory. You know, you, it's not going to be an absolute disaster um, of epic proportions if you don't avoid probate. So, you know, that's not the only consideration. But again, back to the basics. A trust is just a contract between two people. I am the grantor. You are the trust trustee. And here is this stuff. And I want you to hold it. And then I want you to distribute it or handle it for the benefit of some other person. That that other person would be the beneficiary. Okay. And that might be a child. It might be a dog or a cat. It might be a charity. It might be, you know, a, a, a school it could be any number of things, but it doesn't just because you have a trust, just because you've created a trust, first of all, it doesn't mean that you have millions and millions and millions of dollars that you need to worry about. Uh, it doesn't necessarily help you avoid taxes just because you put your money in a trust. All of a sudden, money doesn't become tax free just because it's in a trust. You know, so it's not necessarily you can do tax planning. But you aren't going to just avoid taxes, you know. That that's that is a misconception of what uh, of what a trust is about. Um, so, isn't it a form of protection, kind of? Well, it can be. Um, so, when we talk to somebody about a trust on the most basic level, and we discuss, okay, let's say someone comes in and says, "I want to avoid probate." Well, that means that we're doing a trust now. We're creating it now, and we're putting every all of their stuff into, into the possession of a trustee to hold and manage as is instructed. And we're doing it now, right? Okay. We're not waiting until they die. We're going ahead and doing it now. And that way, when they die, the trustee can then say, okay, well, the trust says when this person died— I am to give out their property to these people in this way. Um, Alternatively, if you had a will, you could say, when I die, I want this to go into trust and be held for years and years and years after my death until my grandchild reaches the age of 35. And then I want the trustee that I've named in my will to to give my 35-year-old grandchild who hasn't even been born right now all of my money. Um, so the first example that I described, making a trust now, that's called a living trust or a revocable trust. Um, that uh, That is the trust that we create now. A trust that we create in my will, so it only comes into effect after I have died, um, that is known as a testamentary trust. Um, I am through my will, I'm still giving my stuff to someone. I'm just doing it in my will. And then that person is going to have to, um, by virtue of what I put in my will, they're going to have to follow the rules that I set out for the property that I've given them. 
hold it in trust until my granddaughter, who hasn't even been born right now, turns 35 and then give it all to her. Okay. That's estate planning trusts. What you're talking about as far as protection of property, we've only so far really discussed uh, uh, the, the estate planning aspects of a trust, but there is this idea that you can... I've briefly touched on the idea that you can use a trust to get assets out of your name. Uh, that might be for estate planning purposes. If you need to try and avoid estate taxes, you want to go ahead and gift assets that you have. Let's just say it's a bank account worth $100,000. You've got a bank account. It's worth $100,000. You want to get it out of your name because if you don't get it out of your name, it will put you... Uh, into uh, an estate tax bracket. You know, you, you've you got $11.8 million in your estate and anything under 11.8, you don't pay taxes on, but anything over, you pay taxes on. So you've got this $100,000, you want to get it out of your estate. So you want to put it in a trust. Go ahead and get it out of your estate. Well, for it to be considered out of your estate, in other words, it is no longer yours, you have no claim to it, it has to go into what we call an irrevocable trust. And that is where I give you $100,000, you are the trustee, and I can never get it back. I cannot ask you to give it back to me. Once I give it to you, it is So it can never be changed. Right. Now... I can still set the rules for what you're supposed to do with that $100,000, whose benefit it is supposed to be used for. So you you take it, you sign the trust document saying you're the trustee, I give you the $100,000, you are required to use that $100,000 and invest it in an income-producing scheme so that once a year you pay out all of the income to my dog, Fifi. Um <laughs> or to my alma mater, or to, you know, whatever, whatever I chose. But the thing is, once I have set that in place and signed the document and given you the $100,000, I can't get it back. It's irrevocable. Having done that, that asset, those assets, the $100,000 is no longer in my name, which means that if I died, uh, that $100,000 is no longer considered part of my estate because I gave it away. Um, you gave it away to the trust. Yeah. Okay. If I lost a lawsuit and I was found guilty of something or not found guilty of, but the uh, jury found in found in favor of the plaintiff and awarded the plaintiff uh, $100,000 in damages because we had a, a car accident and they said it was my fault. If I have created a trust and taken the only $100,000 I have and put it into an irrevocable trust, that money is no longer in my name. The plaintiff who won a $100,000 judgment against me cannot go and get that $100,000 out of that trust because it is an irrevocable trust that I have taken and made and put put that money into the hands of someone else. It is out of my name. I can't get it back. That is the asset protection aspect of a trust. So a lot of times I'll hear, um, you know, aging parents and stuff. A lot of times their kids will come in and we'll put their home in a trust name. What would be the reason behind doing that? 
Um, okay, so it depends on the state that you're in, how uh, real estate property passes from one generation to another or from one person to another. But just just to generalize, because because I'm, I, I practice in the state of Tennessee, I'll talk about the way that the state of Tennessee works. Real property that is owned by a person in the state of Tennessee does not necessarily pass by virtue of a last will and testament. It passes uh, to the descendants of the owner of the real property. And so it's always going to descend to your children. Um, but there's still a, a lot of, of technical aspects of, of getting that property into the name of the new people that you have to go through. Uh, and if they want to sell it, then they've got to file, you know, You've either got to file my will saying that the property goes to them, or you've got to file affidavits of heirship. Uh, that's a, a form that you have people that knew me sign saying that they know who my three kids are, and they know that those three kids are my only kids, and that they have a claim to this house that I own, right? So that's an affidavit of heirship. Doesn't it sound kind of like a pain? Yeah. I mean, just to, just so that my kids could get my house. And the state of Tennessee is like, yeah, no, it's easy. Your house just passes to your generation. Well, if the state had its way, sure, it might be easy. But there are all sorts of other things out there like mortgage companies, title insurance companies, so on and so forth. And they want to be guaranteed that the house is owned by who says who is said to own it. Mm-hmm. So you've got to file these affidavits or you've got to file a will. You've got to do all this work. If you put property into a trust then it is held by the trustee. And then if I pass away, that house can be passed to my kids by my trustee. Okay. Or I could have in the trust, put my house in a trust, and then have instructions for my trustee when I die. I live in the house until I die. Mm -hmm. When I die, I instruct the trustee to sell the house and then distribute the funds to my children. Um. It just makes the transfer of property easier. And especially if I am a real estate magnate. Let's <laughs> say I have got real property all over the country. Yeah. Well, you don't want to necessarily have to go to every single state in which I own property to get that property transferred over to the name of my heirs. So it really is a way of streamlining and trying to yeah. make It makes things, things easier. Yeah. You know, you, you've got one trustee who basically, effectively, the, the tr- all of my real property is titled in the name of that one trustee. And that one trustee can deal with buyers all over the country, make all the sales, collect all that money, and then distribute it to my kids. Yeah. Or maybe I've said, put instructions in, you know, I want my Swiss chalet to go to my daughter. I want my Colorado ranch to go to my son. And I want my Florida beach house to go to my other daughter. Yeah. Um, and he would just sign over the property to those, to those beneficiaries. Um, and, and it makes the transfer of that property very easy. Well, I'm sure most people, you know, you hear about trust. You think trust fund babies, and and we. I'm all, a trust fund baby. You can trust me. <laughs> we've all watched so many shows where it's been like, oh, well, I don't get my trust fund until I'm 25, or <laughs> I only get a percentage of this and percentage of that, and so it's there's kind of the the spendthrift um, trust, mm-hmm. which you know was kind of a joke thrown out when we did the episode about uh, rationalizing spending and how uh, David Pickler made a joke like, oh, you need a spend thrift trust on you because it's kind of a protection thing of 
if you're wanting to leave money to people, you can really lay it out to make sure that your your wishes are being carried forward and that that person's not blowing it of like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I want to leave Cameron, you know, $100,000, but I want to break it up over 10 years so he's not blowing through all the money. Right. But it's just because we see it on pop culture on a much bigger level doesn't mean that it's not for, you know, average people who've just worked hard and have real estate or mm-hmm. assets that they want to really, they want to be in control. They want to make sure that they put in the measures now that when, if something happens to them, whether they pass away or they, you know, become, you know, get a disease where they're no longer able to really have their wishes. And also, let's face it, like family drama. <laughs> when people pass away or people get sick, then their true colors come out and it, it can get messy. But if you've got these documents that lay out how things are going to pass and how things are going to be transferred over, then it, it does make it easier and I've, there's no way to argue it. Yeah, I've, I've given you a very basic idea of what a trust is, but it doesn't really, I haven't really delved into some of the most, I mean, the most common reason, like I said, to do a trust people that, that people come to me for is uh, avoiding probate, but that's not necessarily the most compelling reason. Obviously, some of the more compelling reasons would be things like determining how this money is going to be distributed to multiple beneficiaries, mm-hmm. possibly over generations. So if you do have, it doesn't even have to be a hugely significant sum of money, but if you have money that you want to be distributed amongst your grandchildren, but you want to make sure that they are of an age where they can be responsible when they receive it, you can create a trust that says that the grand tr- the, the the money is held in trust for the benefit of the grandchild. The trustee can use the money at the trustee's discretion for the benefit of the child's health, uh, education, maintenance, support until the child reaches a certain age. And at a certain age, then the child can have the money or access to some of the money. Mm -hmm. The child at the age of 25 can have access to one-third of the trust. And then at the age of 30 can have access to another third of the trust. And then at the age of 35 can have access to one half of the remainder of whatever (laughs) is. I mean, you can spread it out as long as you want to. You're always giving out fractional amounts until you finally say, and at this age, the child is finally uh, potentially responsible enough that they can receive all of it. But you also have, like you said, you have a clause in there that says, a spendthrift clause that says, if this child, if this money is held in trust for this child and this child has creditors that are going after the child for money that the child owes, the creditors can't get to the money that's in this trust. That this money is off limits. It's I mean now once the money is distributed outright to the child, you can no longer stop people from getting it. Mm-hmm. Once it is put in the child's name and the child owns it, you can't stop it, them from getting it anymore. But as long as it's held in trust, the creditors can't go after it. So there's one big thing: is micromanaging your your estate long after you're dead, <laughs> and making sure that only your grand your grandchildren or your children or whatever are only going to get money when you want them to get it. Um, well, and the other thing is you can create this trust document and lay it out, but you also need to make sure you do the details of going through the steps and switching things to this trust name. Before I move on to that, because that is a that is a key element of, of successfully using a trust, there was one other thing that I wanted to say about, about trust and a big reason that a person might use it. And that is, uh, other than controlling 
when people are going to get the trust money or how they're going to get it. Sometimes it might not be so much about just exercising control for the lifetime of your poor 50-year-old child who's still a trust fund baby. Sometimes <laughs> you might have a legitimate need to um, to set up a trust for the benefit of an underage child. Someone who is, you know, when, when, when you pass away, they're only three or four years old. And they're obviously they can't be placed in control of 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 money that you're leaving behind for them so you set up a trust for them to care for them while they're a child this may be a situation where you don't have a trust that you set up during your lifetime uh, but you have a testamentary trust set up uh, I, I would i would encourage any parent of an underage child to not only uh, have a last will and testament that designates who is going to care for that child should both of the parents be deceased, but also who is going to handle the money for that child if both of the parents are deceased, because we're leaving behind an estate that is intended to take care of that child, but who's going to actually be in charge of that money? So that can be a big element. You know, you think of a trust fund baby as somebody who's got this trust from the the rich grandfather mm -hmm. who passed them hundreds of millions of dollars in stock, and they're a trust fund baby. But there's there are literally trust fund babies who the reason they have a trust is because their parents passed away and somebody has to be placed in charge of that money until such time as they can take care of the money for themselves. So, but yeah, back to what you were saying, uh, funding it. I, I made the distinction there between it may be funded when it from my will or yeah. it may be funded now. If I create the trust now, then the only way that having a trust works the way it's intended is if once we draft the trust... And I say, okay, I'm going to give you this stuff mm -hmm. for you to take care of. I have to actually give that to you. I have to give you the stuff, which means when I draft the trust, I have to create a deed that signs my house over to the name of the trustee. Okay. I have to change my accounts, my investment accounts, my bank accounts to the name of the trustee. Um at a, you know, you may have, uh, you may have life insurance policies that you change over to pay into the trust in the name of the trustee, rather than just paying to a person. So um, you've got to do a little legwork yeah, if you want. Okay. Yeah, and so one of the reasons that you're avoiding probate is because if I die and I don't have a trust, then someone has to go around and gather all of those assets that I just listed, and and put the and and consolidate them into one mm -hmm. estate account or accounts. Um, whereas if I do a trust on the front end, then I've done that legwork on the front end. So all they have to do at the end is you just... you got your pot, which is the trust. Right. And you're filling it all up with everything you're wanting to be covered with this trust. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard it described by different estate planning attorneys or trust attorneys as a box, a bucket, a pot, uh, the, the idea is that you're gathering, you're, you're creating a, a living trust, a, a trust that you can take all of your stuff and put it into one central location in the name of one thing. And then when you die, you just have somebody there that's going to distribute it all out. I like that concept. It's very easy as a concept to describe to people this, this idea of putting, putting stuff in a pot and, and so forth. Um, from the estate planning perspective, that, that simplest living trust, that revocable trust. It's it's also a, an easy way to describe to them, 
look, at any time you can go back to that pot or bucket or box or whatever and dump it all out into your lap and it's yours again. You know, because it's revocable. It's revocable. So you can at any time. You're not giving up ownership of these assets if we're if we're making a revocable living trust for you. You're you don't give up ownership of these assets until you die. And let's face it, once you die, you're giving up ownership anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Irrevocable trust is what we use again for asset protection, for tax planning, and stuff like that. That you're giving up. You're giving Instantly, up ownership, yeah. you know, when you, you create the trust, right? There may you may be able to change certain aspects of it. That's that's like for an advanced planning episode okay. we'll have to do. But yeah. but for for our purposes today, the, the the two different kinds of trusts we're talking about: revocable versus irrevocable. Uh, revocable, you can you're probably going to be the trustee as long as you're alive, and at any time you can tear that trust up and take all of the all of the property back and put it in your own name. Okay. Whereas an irrevocable trust, you're probably not going to be the trustee, uh, and you're not going to be able to to tear that trust up and get those assets back. They're they're out of your name once you've created it. Whew. Okay, so obviously there is a lot that goes into this, and it is, as we pitch on every episode, it depends. It's particular to every person. It's basic on your situation. It's based on your situation and what is going to be best for you now and in your future. But it's one of those, if you're considering it, then seek the right people. Talk to your attorney. Talk to your financial advisor. Figure out if something is right for you. And it could be something that it's maybe not something you need to do now. But as your situation changes, it could be something down the road. And it's not something just like, hey, I want to trust. Let's create it. Like, you've got to make sure it's something that's right for you and not just a, I want to have a trust. Let's do this. Yeah. The, you know, as simple as the concept of a trust really is, it really does come down to that document. You know, the trust isn't some, a trust isn't some special kind of account. Uh, at a bank or, you know, it's just, the, the only difference between a, a trust account at a bank and a, a normal personal account at a bank is who the, what name is on the account. That's mm-hmm. the only difference. The bank doesn't have necessarily a special trust account. You know, they're just, they're naming it as owned by the trust. And that's the only difference between the accounts. What really the, the, the key element of the trust is that document. So you definitely want to have uh, legal assistance in drafting the trust document and making sure that it is created the way you want it to and will accomplish what you want it to accomplish, whether that's estate planning, charitable tax planning, you know, anything like that, uh, get, get legal assistance. Yeah. Whew. Okay, so that was a lot. Um, thank you, Court, for that thorough explanation about all of this. So let's bullseye it. Um, I'll start. What I learned from this is that, you know, trusts are not just for the rich and the famous and the elite, that they're, they really do have a place for people if you are desiring, you know, having money set aside that is going to be gifted to charities or wanting to make sure you're in control with how your assets and your property are going to be handled, whether alive or when you pass away. And so this is just another element piggybacking off of our episode where we talked about wills and powers of attorney and all of that. It is estate planning. It can be tax planning. And so it's just, it's not a one size fits all. It's very customized. And there is so many other kinds of trust that court did not go into today that we may tackle at another point, but it's just something that kind of depends. And if you think it's something for you, then 
seek advice and ask. Bullseye. Cameron does not want to even try and bullseye this <laughs> Not <one>. today, Satan. <laughs> There's no simple way to bullseye this other than to sort of piggyback off of what Katie said and reiterate that a trust is, 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 is really just a concept. And the concept itself is very simple. Now, we can make it as complicated as we want and as complicated as is necessary to accomplish your goals. But the idea is simple. I'm gonna give someone else some stuff. Whoever I'm giving it to, they're the trustee. I'm the grantor and I'm giving them a list of rules for how they're gonna handle that stuff and who they're gonna give it to. And who are they gonna give it to? They're gonna give it to a beneficiary. That's a trust, ladies and gentlemen. That's all it is. It's really, really that easy. Writing the trust is the complicated part. <laughs> and that's my bullseye. Oh, hey, ladies and gentlemen, guess what? There's the closing bell. You have made it to the end of yet another delightfully informative episode of The Bullcast Podcast. If you would like if you liked what you heard and you would like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and subscribe to have our podcast beamed to you directly every Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about me, Katie, and Cameron, please feel free to go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. You can ask us questions, leave a comment, suggest characters that we might have left out of our list today, um, and we'll be happy to uh, respond to you. Hopefully snarkily, because that's really <laughs> how I like to roll. Um, if you would like to hear some tweets from us, I don't think we actually tweet all that often, but our Twitter handle is at Bullcast Podcast, and we also have pictures that we actually post on the Instagrams. That handle is at Bullcast Podcast as well. And finally, if you'd like to find out more about where we work, which is Pickler Wealth Advisors, um, you can find out more about where we work, what we do, our amazing team, and our boss, David Pickler, by going to that website. That's picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, I have given you everything that you need to successfully understand trusts a little <laughs> bit, kind of. So for now, until I think of more to tell you, about trust. I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. And we're done.